0: Across Hong Kong, This is Radio 3. Money Talk. Good morning, it's 8.03 in Hong Kong at the end of a dramatic week, Friday the 4th of March. This is Money Talk on Radio 3 and I'm Peter Lewis with the day's business and finance headlines. Hong Kong's private sector contracted for a second month... And at a faster pace last month. IHS Markets Purchasing Managers Index for Hong Kong plunged to the lowest level since April 2020 as the city struggles to contain the Covid outbreak. The index dropped to 42.9 in February from 48.9 the previous month. The second consecutive month it has been below 50, which indicates a contraction in the private sector. And a private survey released Thursday showed slowing activity among small Chinese service providers and construction firms in February. The Kaishin Market Services PMI came in at 50.4 last month, compared to January's reading of 51.4. It was the lowest level in the past six months, and the gauge was only just above the 50 level that separates expansion from contraction. Index provider MSCI said it would drop Russian stocks from its emerging market indices, warning that the country's equity markets had become uninvestable. MSCI said it would remove Russian securities from its indices after markets close next Wednesday at a price that is effectively zero. Moments later, index provider FTSE Russell said it would remove Russian stocks from its benchmarks before markets open on Monday. The Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank has suspended all current and pending business relating to Russia and Belarus. The Beijing-based bank said in a statement it would safeguard its financial integrity and assess the impact of the Ukraine war on its operations and members' economies. China is the largest shareholder in AIIB, with voting rights worth 26.5%, and about 3% of its total loan portfolio is in Russia. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Andrew Ferris at UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management and Brad Gibson from Alliance Bernstein with a view from India is Toby Lawson of Society General India.
1: Money talk.
0: On Wall Street Thursday, US stocks fell and oil prices slipped. The S&P 500 edged down half a percent to 4363 after advancing sharply the previous day. The Dow lost 97 points, ending the day at 33795 after being positive for much of the session. The Nasdaq Composite Index dropped 1.6% to 13,538. The Pan-European Stock 600 Index fell 2%. The UK's FTSE 100 dropped 2.6%. The London Stock Exchange yesterday suspended trading in 27 companies with strong ties to Russia, including EM+. Sberbank, Gazprom, Lukoil and Polyus. Russian stock markets remained closed for the fourth consecutive day. The US-traded Vernek Russia ETF dropped another 19% on Thursday. Hong Kong stocks rebounded from two-year lows yes- yesterday as investors welcomed Federal Reserve Jerome Powell's indication that the bank will embark on a gradual pace of interest rate hikes to fight inflation and also on hopes that China might soften its Zero Covid policy. The Hang Seng Index edged up 0.6% to 22,467. However, the Hang Seng Tech Index dropped 1.2%, falling below the 5,000 mark to a new record low of 4,958. The Shanghai Composite Index gained 0.1% to 3,481. Chinese property developers traded higher with the Hang Seng Mainland properties index tracking the centre uh, sector jumping over 2% after Guo Shuqing head of the mainland banking regulator the CBIRC said property bubbles and excessive financial up financialization of housing have been curbed In the commodities markets Brent crude oil traded above $119 for the first time since 2008 before reversing to close 2.2% lower at $110.51 a barrel. The reversal came as representatives from the US, Britain, France, Germany, Russia, China and Iran engaged in round-the-clock meetings in Vienna in a bid to restore a 2015 deal that lifted most international sanctions on Iran in exchange for restrictions on its nuclear program. European natural gas prices fell 11%, reversing this week's surge. Gold is trading at $1,936 an ounce. The U.S. 10-year Treasury bond yield fell four basis points to 1.85%. And the U.S. dollar is firmer this morning. The euro is trading at $1.10.7 cents. Japanese yen is at 115.5 versus the dollar. One British pound buys $1.33.5 cents at 10 Hong Kong dollars and 43 cents. Chinese yuan is at 6.32 and a quarter in offshore markets, and Bitcoin fell 3% to $42,400. Around Asian stocks in Australia, the SX200 off half a percent, and the K225 in Japan has opened 1% lower. The Cosby in South Korea down about half a percent, and futures markets pointing to losses of over 300 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. <laughs> Nine. Let's welcome our regular Friday morning guest with his usual dose of good cheer for us. Andrew Ferris, <laughs> Chief Strategist at UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management. Or well, have I got the wrong you. person? What
2: a lovely, what a lovely introduction. <laughs> I have a big smile in my face. <laughs> oh, you that's good.
0: good. Shame we can't <laughs> see it. <laughs> and also with us is Brad, G- Brad Gibson, Co-Head of Asia Pacific Fixed Income at Alliance Bernstein. Morning, Brad. Good morning, Peter. Um, Let's start with the uh, the Hong Kong economic data. The private sector contracted for a second month and at a faster pace last month. The PMI for Hong Kong plunged to the lowest level since April 2020. The index dropped to 42.9 in February from 48.9 the previous month. That's the second consecutive month. It's been below 50, which indicates a contraction in the private sector. Foreign demand including that from the mainland was also affected, falling at sharper rates. Firms cut their staffing levels while reducing their buying levels. And the level of work outstanding fell for a second straight month and at the fastest rate since July 2020. Andrew, there's some gloom there for you to get your teeth into. What do you make of that?
2: Actually, Peter, I'm sorry. I have to strongly disagree with the word that the PMI shows a contraction. It shows nothing of the kind. The PMI is a consensus index. You ask people whether things next month are going to be better or worse than now. Now, if more than 50%, they say it's going to be worse, that gives you something which is less than 50. So if the index reads below 50, it means the majority of people thinks that believe that things are going to get worse rather than better. I'm sorry, that's not a contraction. It is a consensus index. It may very well so Okay. Or it may very well reflect what people are actually experiencing. But from that to say that the economy is contracting, I am sorry. It doesn't. It tells you that it gets gloomier and gloomier and gloomier. And it is unlikely if we go forward that it's going to expand. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm sorry, but it's not a contraction. So is it gloomy, though? I mean, it's not absolutely, good, is it?
2: Absolutely. Anything lower than 50, OK, even if it is 49 something, OK, it tells you that uh, people are clear in their throats and they're saying, look, it's going to get worse rather than better. Now, if it goes so significantly below 50, uh, yeah, it's, it ain't good news. Mm. Now, how low can it fall? It can fall virtually to 100 percent of people asked saying it is going to get worse rather than better.
0: In which that's case the gauge would be zero.
2: Well, effectively, yes. Mm. (laughs) I have never seen that, but I've seen it uh, in different places going down to thirty plus. Okay, Okay. it can it can be really bad.
0: Brad, what's your take on the the impact of this latest COVID nineteen outbreak on the Hong Kong economy?
3: Yeah, look, I I would. It may not be completely contractionary, but it is actually a a pretty strong signal of a, a slowing. Um, pace of economic activity and a lot of businesses are based on a certain level of growth and that's not going to be achieved. So I think the trend is fairly firmly established Uh, in Hong Kong um, the the, the way the government is handling the virus outbreak is controversial for many members of the community Um, so it feels like that that pessimism reflected in that PMI is going to continue for some time so I suspect that financial assets in Hong Kong might not do as well as other, other parts of the world.
0: Hmm. And, and we're seeing that, aren't we? Investor confidence yeah. in Hong Kong does seem to be tumbling. We've, we've seen the Hang Seng index now at a two year low. Uh, the Hong Kong dollars now in the lower end of its trading band. We're hearing that residents are converting the local currency into the Chinese yuan at the fastest pace in more than a decade. It does seem that sentiment in, in across all sorts of financial assets is now being hit hard.
3: Yeah, another interesting dynamic for the Hong Kong dollar and investors in the Hong Kong dollar is that it's pegged to the US dollar. So it basically inherits US monetary policy. And if you think about what Jerome Powell said last in his testimony and what's likely to happen there, interest rates are going to go up uh, in the US. So it could be that interest rates in Hong Kong go up at a time when the economy probably doesn't need Mm. higher borrowing costs. But just by the very nature of its financial system, it's going to get them.
2: Absolutely agree. It's, it's potentially the worst time you could have rise in interest rates. But on the other hand, suppose uh, Carrie cleared her throat and says, well, perhaps we're going to revise the peg. Oh, boy, bad idea. Okay, the the peg is, is sacrosanct at this particular period and at this particular level and i'm sure the chinese will not want to see that either
0: do you think the um the economy and business activity and sentiments could recover quickly when this is over i mean some people are saying that you know we're about a week away from the peak in covid cases there's also been some hints um that the mainland may revise its zero covid uh policy there was a story in the wall street journal about that uh this week and we also had um the head of China's Center for Disease Control and Prevention in an article on Monday uh, suggests that maybe China is open to experimenting with a, a less draconian policy. Uh, if that all happens, could we see a quick rebound?
2: Reading, reading the Wall Street Journal article, he was incredibly careful to point out that all this was looking to something happen in a year out. OK, and this was, uh, you know, building bubbles and being more careful and so on. I don't have the slightest doubt that the Chinese are realizing that this ain't going to happen because in the crudest, most simple place, assume that China and Hong Kong completely hunker down. They have zero COVID cases for, let's say, several months. Then they open their frontiers and they are in the middle of a sea of billions of people that are infected. It's not going to work. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that.
0: What do you think, Brad? How quickly could we recover and sentiment rebuild? The financial secretary last week in his budget was quite optimistic that economic activity was going to be bad in the first quarter, but then was going to recover quite strongly.
3: Oh, it would be it would be very encouraging for for Hong Kong and and the broader Asian region if China was to open up, but I, I, the hesitancy that Andrew suggests, I'm I also probably there. there. There's some very important political meetings coming up in China where you would not want to see a resurgence of a virus. Um, so I think they are going to be quite, quite cautious. So I guess, yeah, I, I would also be hesitant to think that we can rely on mm-hmm. China opening up um, to get some sort of economic activity throughout Asia. But, yeah, there's economies like, like Thailand that rely heavily on Chinese tourists, etc., Uh, supply chains that would very much welcome uh, China opening up, but I think we do have to be cautious about the timing timing of that. Also, Peter, you hear stories
2: in Hong Kong, and these are stories, okay? that uh, nearly 50% of uh, the entertainment sector, it's primarily restaurants, they are now closed and they are not Mm -hmm. going to open again, ever. I mean, they are not closed temporarily, they are closed permanently. I'm actually stunned that after two years, I've been living in Hong Kong for 37 years, I'm absolutely stunned that after tourist arrivals i th- i thought there was a spelling mistake they're down to a few hundreds mm. <laughs> from several million how mm. any of the tourist industry has survived at all travel mm. agents guide agencies uh, the smaller hotels and so on i'm i'm, I'm absolutely stunned i don't think the recovery is going to be such that the wounds of two years are going to simply be in, uh, being, being healed and f- i assume I can assume that the rumours might be right. In other words, that these things will close and they will close permanently. Mm.
0: Do you think, Brad, do you agree with that? Do you think maybe some of the damage is now permanent? So people who are left are not going to come back. The damage to our sort of infrastructure, our, our financial standing?
3: Yes, yes, I do. Um, and you can tell that by that the net migration numbers. So I think it was just north of 70,000 for the month of February, and I think March is probably going to be similar. So there is a brain drain um, and, and people leaving because you know, permanently because there is an expectation that it's never going to get back to what it was. But again, it doesn't mean that Hong Kong is not going to be a, a, a vibrant piece of financial infrastructure, but mainly for China, I would say, in the future, maybe not for the whole financial community.
2: Mm. Okay. Actually, Peter, in the same way, what I might say is not hugely politically correct, but people mm. saying there is a big brain drain, and oh, correctly, okay, as, as Brady indicated, uh, and, uh, you know, let's say in X time period we're going to lose 100,000 of our cleverest and best, <clears throat> I clear my throat and says we have 1.2 billion next door that contains also yes. a huge pool of talent that could simply casually and, uh, and firmly come into Hong Kong. So, in other words, uh, this is not, thank God, something that both the Chinese and the Hong Kong say very clearly, because, of course, it is politically incorrect on both sides. Like saying, we don't care what happens, we've got plenty of people to replace you. But that's the truth. Okay.
0: Okay. I, I want to turn to Ukraine and some of the aspects of the fallout from that. First of all, one of them is the impact on commodity prices. Global commodity prices hit their highest level since 2008 yesterday. This S&P GSCI, which is a measure of raw material prices, uh, has, has now uh, risen 37% this year uh, to the highest level since 2008. West Texas Intermediate, the U.S. oil benchmark, was above $116 a barrel uh, yesterday. And in agricultural markets, wheat prices up almost 40% this year. Now Andrew I know you've done some research on the impact of this uh, for for Asia. So what is I know it's you know it's going to vary from country to country but overall um, I guess this is not good for Asian Asian economies being energy importers on, uh, across the region.
2: It, it, actually, it is true. If if one does a blind test, and let's say you take the ten usual suspects in Asia, all right, and you look at their CPIs, uh, several of them are actually either right flat or coming down after several months of uh, of uh, rising food rising sorry rising prices of uh, of food. Yes, I am concerned, but then yes, I am let's say structurally concerned about this because uh, the CPIs in Asia reflect quite a lot of different things. The price of rice, for example, I keep keep emphasizing this. Every single price of every single different type of rice has been coming down, not up in the last 12 months and that's quite uh, quite significant which is not to say that wheat for example you know in inverted commas Asians don't eat a lot of bread it sounds sounds very generically stupid okay but they eat a lot of noodles which is made out of rice so they eat bread in a different way so wheat does play a very significant role in uh, in uh, in Asian cuisine as do fresh vegetables and fruit all of which are not included or involved in commodity prices as we know them
0: mm. Brad, what about oil and gas prices? I mean, uh, you know, we are, yeah. of course, dependent on, on imports in general across Asia, although there are some uh, countries that, that are producers, particularly Australia, uh, Indonesia. Um, what, what's the impact yeah. going to be?
3: Yes, you're right. It, it varies country to country, but generally Asia is, is an importer. But when you sort of look at the percentage of the energy imports uh, as a in the GDP, uh, Thailand and India sort of, Stick out as, as sort of the losers in that in that battle, and as you say, countries like in Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, and Australia, with different other commodities, um, tend to do to do better. So you, know, you can take positions in, in various currencies to try to capture that that relative value. Uh, but but overall, um, a disruptive rise in energy prices, particularly not just the level but the pace of the rise, um, I think is even negative for for Asia overall for sure.
0: Um, Andrew, what about China? Where, where does it fit into uh, to all of this?
2: Um, with, with China, I'm afraid, I take huge comfort to the fact that whatever people are saying or thinking that China is export-driven, it ain't. Okay, China is investment and consumption-driven, and only third down the line is export-driven. So China is... Uh, I would – it's the wrong English way of saying it. It is an inward-looking economy. In other words, an economy that depends much more internally rather than externally. And that's why in the middle of all this, China managed to carry on hitting 6% GDP growth. Good God. You know, in the middle of everybody else is having minus – very, very large minuses. So on a a very sort of rather gross macroeconomic level, I'm not hugely concerned – on, of course, individual sectors, yes, there are, yes, yes, I am, an I export of toys and exports of clothes, okay, will be hit. But taking this in the context of the Chinese uh, polity and the Chinese uh, political economy, in inverted commas, China can well afford to close its barriers for a couple of more years, and still it will be able to hit very substantial high GDP growth levels because they're driven domestically.
0: Brad, what about China stepping in and buying some of this Russian oil that no one else is buying, that's trading now at almost a $20 discount to Brent if you want to buy Russian eurals oil? Uh, you can get it much cheaper than Brent and West Texas Intermediate. Is that an option, or would it be politically just too difficult for them to do? Yeah, it's probably
3: outside my, my remit, but, but just reading the, you know, the, the press and various sort of articles about that, China does risk... You know, penalties there. If, if if they are seen to be involved in you know, dealing with Russia, um, then you know, they, they also might get cut out of various you know financial channels uh, in, to do with the, the US dollar. So I don't think it's clear cut that you know, China can just go and buy Russian oil without facing you know, penalties everywhere. And I, I'm pretty sure China is aware of that, um, so I don't think they're going to be doing that anytime, anytime soon.
2: Yeah, there there is an added escape for China, and that is uh, very Mm -hmm. carefully both the European Union and everybody else have not, N.O.T., have not imposed sanctions on the purchase of uh, Russian gas and oil. Okay, they are clearing their throats over that, but they have not said don't buy it. The markets voluntarily, I was reading a report that nearly 70% of Russian oil is now unsaleable Mm -hmm. in the sense that people don't want to buy it, but not so as far as gas is concerned because gas is... Colossally important for Europe. They can't just say mm-hmm. we'll switch off the taps. Okay, so it will be almost impossible to find quick substitutes, be it the United States, which incidentally is now the single biggest exporter of gas, thanks to fracking. Oh, God Almighty. You know, Franklin a year ago was was the bad boy. Now it is is the angel saviour kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you both very much. Have a great weekend. That was Andrew Ferris, Chief Strategist at UCAP Hong Kong Asset Management. Brad Gibson, Co-Head of Asia-Pacific Fixed Income at Alliance Bernstein. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. It's twenty Let's go over to Mumbai, India next and speak with Toby Lawson, the CEO of Society General India. Morning, Toby. Yeah,
1: good morning, Peter.
0: Um, so let's continue with this discussion about the, uh, the, the reaction to, uh, to the Ukraine invasion. What's the position of India's government here? It, it's caught a little bit here, isn't it, between uh, the supporting the West and supporting Russia?
1: It really is caught in a very difficult uh, political situation, uh, India, and as you know, it's sustained uh, on both votes of the UN in condemning Russia's aggression. But that's not to say that they don't; uh, they clearly are not for um, uh, supporting um, uh, Russia in its attacks on Ukraine. But given its historical ties, given its defence connections in terms of procurement of defence uh, equipment from Russia. And um, albeit the trade, the overall trade uh, amount for Russia, India is only about 1.3% of total trade um, for India. It's a significant partner, has been for many years. And uh, so it's more challenging for the Indian government to come out uh, and uh, attest. Complicating that, of course, is their relationship now in the quad with US, uh, Japan and Australia, so yeah, very very tricky situation for India,
0: and, and also India's got a lot of citizens in Ukraine. I understand maybe over twenty thousand. They seem to be mainly students, but presumably, it can't do anything that's going to endanger them either.
1: No, the, the, that's a, a very important point, uh, and they've moved a lot of them out. Uh, sadly, they did uh, see uh, one of the one of their students or one of their citizens, should I say, uh, killed in the in the conflict to date. Uh, that got some press reporting but you're absolutely right uh, there's a lot of sensitivity up i think that moved quite a few out of ukraine but there's still many citizens of india there which complicates the political um, decision making of course
0: and and what impacts is the surging commodity prices particularly of oil and uh, natural gas having on india
1: well i think it's it's at the moment, it's probably too early to say uh, and really matter how long these prices stay elevated. But, you know, if we recall back, I think we've spoke previously around $10 a barrel of oil increases, sort of 50 to 60 basis points in inflation. And India was probably at 6% inflation from the last reading when oil was probably 80 or $90 a barrel. So if you can do the math, you know, you're looking at a, maybe another 100 basis points of impact on inflation. Right? Already when inflation is high in mm-hmm. India, the Reserve Bank have held interest rates steady, want to continue to be accommodative to the economy. Um, but uh, being a large oil importer, uh, this could have an impact on the uh, on not only the Reserve Bank's ability to control inflation, but also adds to the fiscal deficit, uh, because the current account deficit will blow as oil prices uh, rise. So it's it's, it depends how long it lasts,
0: really. I guess that's the, that's the answer. Mm. Uh, o- overall, w- what do you make of these sanctions? Clearly, I mean, President Biden said it uh, today, and, and the EU have said it as well, uh, that they, in effect, uh, they want to destroy the Russian economy. Um, we've never seen coordinated sanctions like this um, ever before. They, they seem to be working, don't they, having quite a significant impact
1: well from a distance uh, where we're sitting here in mumbai it would appear so and it would also appear so that yeah, you know, the west and its and its allies were, were somewhat prepared uh, for what uh, russia may do in ukraine because the speed at which they've implemented sanctions the the depth and uh, complexity of those sanctions are not insignificant um they are very very complex and um, the reality of them on the ground is not so easy uh, and being in the finance sector, uh, it is a very, very complicated situation to manage. Um, but yes, uh, it would appear that uh, this is clearly uh, short of putting boots on the ground, short of uh, a military conflict. Uh, the West is trying to you know, certainly contest Russia on this uh, on this Ukrainian uh, uh, topic
0: and And what's the impact on markets if if you look at the commodity markets, they've clearly made their decision, haven't they there We've seen this surge in oil, natural gas in in wheat. Stocks and bonds seem to be more uncertain about what it all means We're, We've had quite a volatile week uh, for u s stocks and u s bonds
1: Well I think that you, if we weren't talking about Ukraine, we would be talking about uh, payrolls tonight u s and U.S. rate by twenty five basis points by the Fed in March. Uh, And these would be the the things that would be the focus of attention. So for the bond market, you've still got to look at the economic news underlying for the U.S. economy in particular and and obviously throughout the world as inflation still leads to higher interest rates and less accommodation from uh, central banks. The Ukrainian situation just complicates the whole story. So, of course, it's out of the news right now. But bond markets are probably trying to toss up between the impact of slowing growth due to uh, geopolitical uh, tensions versus commodity prices and the supply t- chain constraints. So, yeah, not easy for investors, not easy for traders, and not easy for central banks in the coming months.
0: Mm. And um, what, about, oh, excuse me, what about the impact on the Fed? Um, do you think the Fed has to reconsider the pace of rate hikes? I know Jerome Powell said they're, they're going to continue with a, a 25 basis point rate hike this month, but does it give them pause for thought about the rest of the year?
1: I this stage, I don't think so. I think their track is on. Um, they clearly want to rein in, in in prices. They do believe that inflation will start to temper somewhat throughout the year. But now, of course, with higher energy prices, that may push them out a little. But, you know, I think the Fed uh, probably still fairly much of the view that um, the disruption caused by the Ukrainian crisis on energy prices may stabilise to some extent as everyone adapts to the situation. 25 basis points some people were talking 50 basis points well i think a couple of weeks ago that's certainly off the table but a series of 25 uh, basis point hikes is uh, certainly pretty much embedded for this year i would say
0: okay thanks very much toby have a great weekend that's toby lawson the ceo of society general india you're listening to money talk on rthk radio three situation in asian stock markets is deteriorating quite rapidly this morning the ASX 200 is now down 0.9 percent the nikkei 225 is off one and three quarter percent uh the cosby in south korea uh, is down one percent and futures markets now indicating that the Hang Seng could open close to 500 points lower at the open and drop below 22,000 at the open this morning. So that's quite a big fall uh, being projected for the Hang Seng Index. In the commodity markets, Brent crude oil is at $110.51. Gold, that's moving higher right now. It's at $1,943 an ounce. And let me give you an update on the weather forecast just before I go. Uh, It's going to be bright and fine relative uh, hu- uh relative visibility low warm during the day maximum 26 degrees and it's warm and misty in the next couple of days 19 degrees right now 74 percent relative hum- humidity have a great weekend i'll be back on monday morning janice wong's coming up with the covid update after the news
4: 832 and a half here's andrew Schwoski with the news New COVID cases topped 56,000 yesterday to set yet another daily record as the number of total deaths from the continuing wave of infections surged past the 1,000 mark. Ben Che reports. Health authorities announced 56,827 COVID cases, all except two were local infections. That's a slight
0: increase from more than 55,000 the day before. And there were outbreaks in more care homes, raising the total number of facilities affected to more than 700. Officials also said another 144 people have died. They were aged between 42 and 102, while most of them were elderly people. And 42 others who died earlier have now been added onto the official toll, bringing the
4: total number of deaths in the Omicron outbreak to 1,153. A senior mainland health official says he's in Hong Kong only to give advice, but the SAR government will make all the decisions. Liang Wanyan from the National Health Commission has been in town since Monday. He told reporters that he can't make exact recommendations yet because he's still learning about the local situation. Mr. Liang says it's understandable that people are anxious, but he's sure Hong Kong can overcome the epidemic because the SAR is experienced and has Beijing's backing. Overseas, the Russian president Vladimir Putin has given a strident defense of his country's military operation in Ukraine, saying the campaign was on schedule and going to plan. He spoke through an interpreter. Russians and Ukrainians are one people, even despite that part of the residents of Ukraine have been uh, brainwashed by the Nazi nationalist propaganda, uh, and maybe some of them following the Bandera way and other Nazi cronies way who were on Hitler's side in the Second World War. Mr. Putin made a series of allegations against Ukrainian forces for which he did not provide evidence. Earlier in Kyiv, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky addressed a news conference appealing for more military aid from the West, saying, Give me the planes. And that's the news. Oh, excuse me. Russian and Ukrainian negotiators who have been holding low-level peace talks in Belarus have spoken of some progress. There's been no agreement on a broad ceasefire, but they've reached an understanding about humanitarian core